Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Transit with Al Weave. He's a homeless advocate. Al, good afternoon. How are you doing, Al? Great. Thanks a lot for uh, jumping on, and uh, thanks a lot for making me aware of a situation. Um, you really are a, an advocate for the homeless in this city. Something's happening with transit very soon, and it will impact our homeless. Tell us about it. Yes, it will. Um, actually, as of September 6th, um, the number one, number two, and number three uh, free buses will be taken offline. Uh, the number one and number two, we're not concerned about, but the number three bus goes from uh, Higgins and Maine uh, to, to the downtown area, to City Place, and, and around, uh, you know, to Portage Place and to the university. And um, to have this bus taken out of circulation is a real problem for uh, those experiencing homelessness and others. Um, you know, in the shelters, uh, it's with, especially with winter coming on, the shelters have uh, points of time during the day um, when folks cannot access the shelters. Uh, they, they're there for cleaning. Uh, they're, you know, told um, to be out of the building for cleaning. But even now with COVID, it's even uh, it's taken a lot longer time uh, for folks uh, to be out of the, uh, the you know, like Shalom or Salvation Army or Main Street Project. And, you um, you know, with winter coming and we have minus 30 degree uh, temperatures, uh, people need places to go. And, you know, the number three bus was uh, the mode of transportation for the folks in the in the area over there to come downtown, to go to Portage Place, to go to City Place, and to go to the library uh, when it was open and, and other places like that. And without that bus going down, you know, people are going to have to walk all the way downtown. And, um, you know, and some, a lot of folks, I would say a lot of folks have disabilities that they don't allow them to walk uh, that, you know, that's uh, all the way to downtown. And secondly, you know, I'm, even in my building, I'm hearing from a lot of people down here in my building who go to the EIA or welfare office at 640 Main and also have doctors uh, in 640 Main right across from the Salvation Army that uh, they always take the free bus to uh, to get to their appointments and to their welfare appointments. And uh, it'll be much more difficult to do that without the free bus running back and forth. And so it's a, it's an integral part of the homeless life uh, here right now. I guess initially the buses were put in place uh, to be free for tourists, uh, but um, you know, but the number three buses is, is is always used by folks experiencing homelessness in the shelters. And you're part of end homelessness in Winnipeg, so you're you're part of that group that's trying yeah. to deal with the issue. Um, yes, I am. Did did you uh, did you make your concerns known to City Hall to Mayor Bowman? Yeah, I, as a matter of fact, there's a city of Winnipeg uh, with community service person uh, in, in our group. And um, he was going to the city. Plus, I myself have uh, uh, directly connected with the mayor on, on, the, on the bus. I haven't received any answers yet. And we're waiting for our meeting next week uh, for uh, Christian Community Services to get back to us on, uh, from his end. But in the meantime, I'm encouraging everybody to call their city councillor. Uh, and uh, get on board with this and, and make it known that this is a really, really uh, urgent um, matter that uh, people get on. Uh, you know, so, so the homeless can, folks experiencing homelessness in, in the shelters can, can get back and forth from uh, downtown. You know, even on a modified schedule, it would work. You know, uh, just as long as those hours during the day when they can't access anywhere in, in the shelters to find a warm place to, to go and have coffee and, and sit and communicate. Yeah. 
in, in August 28th is one thing, but what when it uh, you know when when it's uh, what about when it's November 28th or January entirely. 28th, right? In, entirely, and that's the big concern. You know, uh, we uh, we had our extreme cold weather meeting uh, on Wednesday. We we're, we're coming up with a whole you know pile of uh, different uh, scenarios, and and uh, it just. Things just the bus just has to stay on play, you know, because it's uh, it's really really urgent. People die in winter time as it is, and uh, you know, here we 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 have roughly 100 people that die on the streets every year here, and wintertime is the, is a big killer, uh, it, well as well as the street extreme heat in summertime. So, you know, uh, we need to help in any which way that we possibly can to to. Uh, keep uh, those folks uh, healthy and this mm-hmm. is one way to keep doing that and you know um, it, it may have been uh, it may have been um, uh, taken out of, this, out of the system without even thinking about the homeless but you know that that's another problem too when people know that the homeless folks are on the spot but it's mm-hmm. we need to make city councilors everybody down city hall aware that this is a very necessary uh, uh, part of the city's uh, you know uh, work with the homeless yeah. Well, and I didn't uh, properly explain that you, I said you're an advocate, but I didn't properly mm. explain. We've had you on a few times now. Most people yes. may know this, but you, of course, uh, for a time uh, were homeless. And so you, yeah. you really understand that life. I do. Uh, you know, spending spending a couple of winter, <laughs> winters out there, uh, you know, um, you know how easy how easy it is. Uh, not to survive. I always say it's easier to die than it is to live out there if you don't have the will. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, every little bit helps. And this is uh, a thing. It costs 435000 years to run that particular bus. And even if, it, you know, cut the hours back down, uh, it could cost less than that. But there's another plan also to to have it run to, to the shelter in the Osborne Village area because they have a uh, a real, real problem. Um, when they are full, they need to send people away to other shelters, and the other shelters, of course, are down, down on Main and Higgins. And so uh, there was, you know, there's a, a plan maybe to extend that bus to the um, to the shelter in uh, Osborne Village, which is you know one just city over there and uh, mm-hmm. Oak Table. Yeah, you know, uh, I was thinking this morning, knowing you were coming on, I was thinking, you know, with COVID nineteen, this pandemic. Uh, I think we sort of felt like we'd flattened the curve pretty well, and then now we, we're seeing a spike in numbers again. New economic numbers came out today showing that the last quarter was was terrible across the country. Mm-hmm. Do you worry that all of this might add to the homeless population in Winnipeg, Al? Well, yes, I have. There's another situation I was going to bring up. Um, there's a moratorium on evictions in Winnipeg. Uh, during COVID, um, mm-hmm. the province it was initially going to June, then it extended to, to July, and then they extended it to um, to the end of September now. But um, what I have heard is that uh, the uh, RTB, the Residential Tenancy Branch, has already been uh, starting to process eviction notices should the moratorium not be extended. And there are hundreds of people and families that will get eviction notices. Um, you know, uh, during COVID, people needed needed time to adjust and and uh, and give uh, be given a break on rents and other expenses. But that time seems to be ending. Let's hope that the government finds a way to both keep the tenants uh, tenants uh, in house uh, as well as the uh, landlords uh, give them a break as well because we can't expect them to cover all the costs on this. But yes, 
COVID uh, will, if the government does not extend the moratorium or, or work out other, some other plan, um, hundreds of folks will be uh, will be left without apartments, and uh, or will be given eviction notices, and many of those will probably end up on the street, and that's a real, real. Uh, you know, heartache, and, and it's, uh, it's it's coming, and we just have to figure out a way to stem that uh, from happening or stop that from happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then there's a new wrinkle, which we just announced. We just got the news release in the last several minutes here mm-hmm. from the city that masks starting tomorrow will be required on Winnipeg Transit. And yep. so now when a homeless person uh, hops on a bus, they're going to have to worry about a mask. And um, I'm not saying yep. that they shouldn't be worried about that because they should. They have a responsibility, I think, to slow the spread just like the rest of us. But that's an, an added wrinkle for a homeless person that m- may very well be much easier for us and more difficult for them. It, it is. And, you know, yeah, um, uh, some of the shelters are, are giving masks away, but you know they end up. Uh, you, you see a lot of masks discarded and, uh, and sitting, um, you know, on the sidewalks or, you know, on the grass and things like that. But yes, that, that's just another one. Uh, if, if they don't have one, uh, are are they going to be able to buy one for even a dollar fifty or two dollars or four dollars? You know, that's probably a, a negative uh, that they won't be able to do. So again. Um, Everything, everything in life tends to to be stacked against folks experiencing homelessness because of the extreme poverty of of that life. And uh, you know, we know that curb was given to to many of them, and uh, you know, there's going to be cost to pay for that down the road too. Uh, you know, and that's just caused uh, additional problems. And we all know that that money goes very, very quickly. And uh, we also know there's a, a new drug on the streets that's cheaper than meth and um, and that's causing a lot of uh, headaches down in the area there. Yeah. Al, I appreciate you reaching out uh, to me about this issue no. with the bus, and uh, keep us posted on it, and we'll have you back on we'll soon. Thanks a lot, Hal. Appreciate it much. A little nickelback on a sad occasion. Turn it up, Cam. Let's send them out of here in style. Turn it up. Take it away, Jack. Come on now. I don't know if I can go on. I don't know if I can do this. Ladies and gentlemen, Global News Weather Specialist Mike Conkin joins us here now on his on his last day. Oh, Mike, you heartbreaker. Thank you for playing me in, Hal. You know this was this was the big encore when Nickelback was in uh, was in town last, and I tell you, they practically burnt the MTS Center to the ground with all the fire that was coming out of that stage. Yes, I'm, yes. I, it's an honor that you would play me out with this. Well, hey, listen, I had I know everybody else's head yawn, and I thought I'm going to wait till the very last minute, just hoping and praying that maybe he would change his mind. <laughs> and as crawling Sandy... back, <laughs> HR, stop what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> reverse and, uh, that process <laughs> yes rip up the paperwork he's staying he's happy with 18 for a year um 
I make seventeen nine. You make eighteen four. I made that reference because I said earlier that I make eighteen nine a year here. Um, so Sandy, uh, I just wanted to read this uh, text message when I mentioned you were coming on uh, for your last appearance. Uh, Sandy says, "What capital letters? A bunch of question marks, exclamation marks. Tell Mikey's capital letters not allowed to leave. A bunch of exclamation marks and a happy face that's not very happy. It's crying and tears everywhere." Um, but listen, I, in, in all seriousness, I wish you all the best, man. Um, I remember, Mike, mm-hmm. I remember watching your first show on Global, doing the morning show, the weather on the morning show, uh, with DT and, uh, was it DT and Evie Kovacs? At that? Yep. Yeah, it was DT and Evie, mm-hmm. Evie Kovacs. And I, you know what? I thought, well, this is going to be fun to watch because you were green, man. Like, oh, you know, yeah. you were doing a fine job, but you were green. And, man, <laughs> I'm telling you, you have become – I have a lot of respect for what you've done because uh, there are uh, people that work in this industry, and then there are people that become personalities and uh, become so much more than where they were when they begin. And you are one of those people, man. You have just really blossomed and, and – uh, so we're, we really, truly are going to miss you. I'm I'm going to miss being here. Uh, it's been, yeah, it's been a great eight and a half plus years or so. And yeah, a lot has changed since those early days. I I can't go back and watch some of that early stuff. Uh, for the people that are <laughs> you were fine, viewers, but uh, I, you were fine, but you were, you were new. Adequate at best. <laughs> and that's probably still very flattering. My mom thought I did a great job. And that was probably about as far as the compliments could go. But yeah, yeah it's been it's been a ton of fun to to work in TV. We get I uh, get to do radio stuff as well. Yeah. It's been it's been an awesome uh, an awesome journey here and well worth it. It was I'm mm. I'm very happy that I got to move out to Winnipeg to live my dream of being in TV. Bet my wife here. This is home yeah. now, so this is uh, yeah. it's it's great. It's it's bittersweet. I'm excited to to move on, but I'm I'm also going to be sad to be leaving the industry that I always wanted to be a part of. Sure. And explain uh, to people what you're going to do. You're going to teach. Yes. Uh, I'm going to first be going back to school. That's what starts for me on Monday. I got orientation online. Uh, taking a step back before I can uh, take the next step forward. So going back to school for two years for the Bachelor of Education program. And then looking, uh, I'll be on the job hunt once again. So if there's any school principals out there, if you <laughs> if you have any uh, teachers that are potentially retiring in uh, right. a couple of years' time, I don't want to push anybody yeah. out the door. I don't want to be mean <laughs> like that. But if there's any openings that you see in the near future, hey, yeah, I know a guy. He's me. Yeah. And I know him, too. Uh, and he's a great guy and a really talented guy. And uh, whatever class you end up in front of Mike Conkin, they're lucky because you're you're very talented at what you do. And I know you're going to go on to be a great teacher. So good for you. All the best. I really do wish you the best of luck and, and stay in touch. Thank you very much, Hal. It's been it's been a ton of fun uh, working with you here at the radio station. It's too bad that we don't get to see you here at the station more often because yeah. you're, you're a great guy and you're a great mentor Thanks. for the people who are working in, uh, in radio and even even in television because we're all kind of working on multiple platforms all at mm-hmm. once. So yeah. thank you for your kindness and thank you for your mentorship for everybody uh, here at Global. Turn it up. Turn it up, Cam. Mike Conkin, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks, Al. The news at 2 is coming right up.
good times, bad times, but overwhelmingly great times for the man who joins us on the phone now, Jerry Shore. Jerry, good afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Hal. Thank you for coming on. Happy belated 90th birthday wishes. Well, thank you very much. That's very kind of you. And 70 years in showbiz. That's correct. Wow. And tomorrow is actually the anniversary, the 50th anniversary of Man Pop, and you were one of the organizers of that way back when. That is correct. And uh, 50 years to the day, Saturday, August 29th. Remind us what that was all about. Well, Man Pop was, uh, was the Manitoba Centennial's gift to the young people of Manitoba. Uh, it was, of course, uh, in 1970, Manitoba's 100th anniversary as a province, mm-hmm. and uh, we decided in uh, the year before, of course, you have to start uh, dealing with the artists a long time in advance of this specific event. Right. We decided that uh, we would have something very special for the young people of Manitoba, uh, and uh, Mr. Maitland Steinkoff, who was chairman. Uh, decided that the best way to do that would be to have a massive outdoor concert at the Winnipeg Stadium, the then Winnipeg Stadium. And some huge names, Led Zeppelin, the Youngbloods, who else? Iron Butterfly were the three major headliners, Mm -hmm. and uh, there was a a number of very well-known Canadian acts. One in particular was Chilliwack, Mm -hmm. and of course there was uh, some local acts that were going to perform as well. Uh, The... uh, the event was to start at noon on the 29th, and, of course, the stadium was absolutely sold out. Uh, I think at that time, I'm, kind of, I'm trying to remember, but I think the ticket price was $30. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And the sky was beautiful, nice and sunny, until it started to pour. Not only pour, it rained, and it rained, and it rained, and it rained, <laughs> and of course, all the uh, artists' uh, equipment got soaking wet, uh, and we were very fortunate that uh, the late Bruce Rathbone, yeah. uh, who was uh, one of the production managers of the event, uh, was able to s- scrounge around and get some equipment. But I got to go back a step. Uh, it it was so uh, difficult that we really didn't know what to do, and Mr. Steinkopf decided. We're going to open the arena, uh, which was adjoining the stadium, Mm -hmm. and we're going to tell everybody, get into the arena. Now, you understand the arena uh, capacity was uh, a little less than (laughs) that, of course, of the stadium. Right. Uh, And, uh, you know, the fire marshal came down, and Mr. Steinkopf had arranged for the arena to be opened, and everybody was starting to come into the arena and the fire marshal said, well, you know, we're going to have overcapacity. And Mr. Steinkoff just, you know, was that kind of a person, just said, no, no, we're going to do this, and don't worry about anything. <laughs> and so, of course, um, th- there was a lot of decisions that had to be made. Mm-hmm. Uh, what were we going to do about sound equipment? Well, Bruce arranged to get some of the local equipment there. Uh, and, of course, while we were doing that, the the kids at that time, kids, I guess, gosh, yeah. they're in their 50s, 60s, 70s now, um, were pouring into the arena. I mean, pouring is the right word. <laughs> As somewhere in my, somewhere in this apartment of mine, I have pictures 
and you could see pictures of the interior of the uh, arena, mm -hmm. and you could see the steam coming up into the rafters of the of the arena. It, uh, you know, it, because of course uh, they were all soaking wet. But uh, we decided to go on. Of course, the question was, what were the big bands going to do? And this I can remember very vividly. Uh, at that time, the fee for Led Zeppelin was 50000 American dollars. Boy. Now, that seems like a lot of money even now, but if you figure it out, it probably was the equivalent of at least one hundred fifty, maybe 250000 in today's money, maybe mm -hmm. even more than that. And, they, of course, all the acts had received their 50% deposit, and Mr. Steinkoff and I went into the uh, uh, suite of the Led Zeppelin manager. I think his first name was Peter. And Mr. Steinkoff said, well, look, I want you to perform. I know that we, you have received your $25,000. Here is the balance of your money. And he put down 25000 American dollars. Now, I do not know to this day how he found 25,000 American dollars <laughs> in cash on a Saturday. Yeah. But it, somehow he did it. Hmm. And uh, Peter said, Mr. Steinkoff, we're going to give you the best concert ever. He contacted the other managers, and the show went on. It went on until 3 o'clock in the morning. Hmm. And I think that Led Zeppelin probably gave us the best concert of their entire career. I think all the bands did that. Hmm. They understood the problems. Yeah. The sound equipment was, of course, not the most perfect one, but it was done, and we did it. And it was, I think, to anyone who was there, who was around now, wasn't it the best event of your life? Well, and we're hearing from people that it was a great night. Jerry Shore, a concert promoter, turned 90 last month, and tomorrow is the 50th anniversary of Man Pop, which Jerry was involved with uh, in putting on. Uh, we're going to carry on with Jerry after 3.30 this afternoon. We've got a busy Friday show. Jerry's going to come back. We're going to carry on because there's a lot more to Jerry's story. Did you know Jerry was the uh, manager for Harry Belafonte. Dre will tell that story and other stuff uh, coming up here after 3.30 on Hal Anderson Afternoons. And I am getting lots of emails and text messages from people about Man Pop. Gary says, Hal, what a great night it was. Uh, it was going to be in the arena, as Jerry just mentioned, makeshift PR or in the stadium uh, they ended up with a makeshift PA in the arena which ended up sounding great Zeppelin was fantastic but Hal it was Ides of March that blew me away with their song I'm Your Vehicle the horn section uh, just played their hearts out it was too bad that the outdoor setup couldn't have been used um, but it was an amazing time anyhow and as Jerry told us it went on to the wee hours of the next morning Joining us on the phone, Dr. Cyrus Dirksen, as he usually does on Fridays between 2.30 and 3, drcyrus.com, D-R-S-Y-R-A-S.com. Doc, how are you? Very good, Hal. How are you doing? Excellent, excellent. You know, I, I was just thinking uh, the other day, I, I will be glad when we can look at each other face-to-face -face in a studio again. <laughs> I miss you too, Hal. 
for a long time. <laughs> well, I guess I can't yeah. believe it. I know. Yes, I guess that's what I was trying to say. I miss you too, Cyrus. There you go. I know that's what you were fishing for. Uh, look at our relationship. We need to. We need to seek a therapist. That's what we need to do. Um, Doctor uh, Cyrus, we got a few things planned here that we're going to talk about today. Let's start with pot marijuana. Uh, pot mm. pot use during pregnancy linked to autism in children. Yes, this is something um, that's come out now. I, I, you know, this is one study, and so uh, yep. we'll just say that. Um, and but it did find uh, that it, you know, close didn't double it, but was you know getting close to doubling the rates of autism in uh, children who had mothers who used um, marijuana during the pregnancy. And so obviously, this is uh, you know important information. Uh, there isn't really. A lot of things that are good about marijuana and pregnancy. Um, mm-hmm. Everything seems to be negative. Lower birth weight, uh, hyperactivity, attention issues, cognitive, behavioral problems, increased risk of stillbirth. Uh, you know, the, the research on this just isn't very favorable, uh, you know, about this. And unfortunately, what's alarming, at least in the States, is that the rates of women using marijuana during pregnancy is increasing and uh, so this is very relevant as it's uh, now legal and people need to think about kind of because it's a bit of a mixed message you know you try to specify you know just because something's legal doesn't necessarily mean it's good for you but there is Mm -hmm. that implied message of hey it's legal now so maybe this is okay not always and uh, pregnancy is one of those situations yeah. Well, and I know people that feel strongly about about the legalization of pot and the use of marijuana. You know, one of the first things they say is, well, hey, it's, it's an herb, it's growing, you know, how could it be bad for you? Um, but we do know from other research, and this is interesting research, and you're right, it's one study, but we put it out there for people to consider. Um, mm-hmm. But we do know that marijuana use in adolescents can impact their brain and how it develops, right? It's it's uh, a sad thing um, when you see somebody kind of hurting their brain just when they're getting started in life. And I've seen this, you know, in my sessions. And unfortunately, sometimes it gets to the point where I tell somebody, you know, an adolescent, adolescent that this is affecting their memory. And they come back and I ask them what we talked about. And they don't remember that we even talked about it. Hmm. So it becomes hard to actually get to that stage where it's actually hard to make changes because uh, because marijuana has already done so much damage. So it is very different for adolescents than it is for adults. Uh, you know, I wouldn't say that I don't really know of anybody out there who's saying that marijuana, you know, is good for people. And just to maybe in the sense of like reducing pain, you know, it can reduce other negative things. Um, but there aren't many people out there kind of saying that it's got a lot of health benefits. Um, so, you know, you need to take that into consideration, particularly for adolescents, uh, just that, that negative impact and um, and to use it really wisely and to consider your choices and what you're doing. That's for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. All right. Second headline here. A daydreaming may be the key to innovation at work. You know, I'll, I'll wait to hear what you say about the about the story uh, below this headline. But it seems to me um, that sometimes, uh, and you tell me, Doc, how it works with you, but sometimes I'll feel overwhelmed or I'm busy, busy, go, 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 and I'll take a break saying, wow, I need a break. And that's when I will have some of my better ideas or I'll come up with a solution to a problem when I've given the brain a break. It's an interesting thing. The, the idea that you know there's an unconscious 
is really not controversial. The, our brain does way more than we think it's doing. I mean, the obvious example is you don't know how your brain is controlling your heart, but it just is in the background. You don't have to be conscious of something happening in your brain for it to be happening. So there's a lot happening in the background. And um, one of the things that this basically daydreaming is what we're talking about here is kind of uh, when, you, when you control your focus or when you allow your focus to wander. So if you're controlling your focus, like doing a math problem, that's you know, a very common kind of attention. It takes a certain amount of energy. And if you, you're always paying attention to something, but if you allow your attention to wander, like looking at, I have a fish tank here. If I just look at my fish tank and let my eyes kind of go where they will, I'm paying attention to something in the tank, but I'm not trying to control it per se. That's like this almost daydreaming, non, non-controlled attention that you do when you go to the cabin and you look at the lake. And that actually is in rejuvenating. It heals our brains. It kind of helps us to kind of do more directed attention later on. And when you're doing that, there's a lot happening behind the scenes. And yes, if you allow your brain to kind of daydream like this, it's not that you're not working. It's not that your brain's not functioning and things can happen. Increased creativity happens. Now, the one caveat to this is you have to care about it. If you don't care about a problem, daydreaming is not going to help you. So for all the kids out there who are in math class and saying, hey, daydreaming is good for me. <laughs> right. Dr. Cyrus said so. Um, <laughs> if you don't care about the math problem, it's not going to help you. Uh, so you. But if you're in a job and you really care about the job, if you, have, if you feel strongly about your work and you daydream, you are more likely to be innovative uh, at your work. You're, you're more likely to be able to solve that problem in a creative way. And, and employers need to know this. Um, and you know, many employers are kind of taking advantage of more flexible time and schedules and things like this, but especially in creative work when people really care, this is something to harness. Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.